Welcome to Divine Intimacy Radio, a co-production of EWTN Radio and SpiritualDirection.com, where we provide you with a spiritual haven of rest and explore the riches of the wisdom of the saints and the path to union with God. This is Dan and Stephanie Burke. Welcome to Divine Intimacy Radio, your radio haven of rest. Your hermitage of the heart. Your monastery of the mind, where we lift our hearts and minds to heaven to draw on the wisdom of the saints, the doctors of the church, the mystics, all of the teachings that lead us to heaven and away from hell. And man, am I excited about our guests today. Yeah. We we book guests and schedule them based on certain criteria, and then we get their what we look at their books and, and make a judgment and that sort of thing. And then we have to dig into the text and kind of really get our heads around it. Every second I've spent uh, reading and, and, and digging into Dr. Malloy's uh, work, I've, I'm convinced every single Catholic who has a pulse needs to read it. Of course, those who don't have a pulse don't need it anymore. They've either gone to heaven or hell. But um, Everyone with a pulse needs to read it uh, in our time. It's super important. So Stephanie's going to introduce him. And we're going to jump in. Okay. So we are welcoming Dr. Christopher uh, Malloy. And I love that the, he put this first in his bio. Yeah. What is it? He is married. Oh, and I he put has that last. Seven I'm sorry. Children. You really God me. bless you. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. Um, that That's just awesome. It's a beautiful thing. I do too. say it's preeminent above all things that I'm married. Absolutely. I, I mean, you, you do. And, and I do not feel slighted. Okay, I'm just good. stating that I I'm think it's really beautiful. Going on right Dr. Malloy. Yeah. Um, God bless your wife. Right? Uh, so anyway, so he is the associate professor at University of Dallas. Uh, he is a associate professor at University of Dallas and has taught theology at UD for almost 20 years. He has published two academic monographs called Engraft into Christ, a critique of the joint declaration, which treats on justification in Lutheran and Catholic ecumenical dialogue, and Aquinas on Beatific Charity and the Problem of Love, which treats on Aquinas's teaching on happiness and charity. He has published blind peer review articles in journals such as the Thomist, Nova et Vetera and Angelicum. He has also published popular pieces in Catholic Answers, Homiletic, uh, Homiletic and Pastoral Review, and Crisis. So awesome. I, I think he's a lightweight. Yo, <laughs> right. the opposite. Yeah, right. Right. Welcome. Welcome. Uh, really boring. Yeah, really boring. I do have to say, you're, you know, I, I would love to read your piece on the Joint Declaration as a convert. I was I was skeptical of it uh, as a Calvinist, and now I'm skeptical of it as a Catholic. So yeah, I don't, I don't know where you came out on all of it, but there's an article on it too that in the Thomas that's kind of the truncated version. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm I definitely want to read it. So your book, False Mercy, just uh, filled me with consolation. Um, in the what you want to give title? Yeah, the okay. whole title. Give it. Yeah, False it. Mercy: Recent Heresies Distorting Catholic truth i think yeah. it's important that we understand i yeah and i you know i think you're an extremely clear thinker dealing with very difficult topics which means you're uniquely gifted i think to to help us unravel the challenges of our time and i and i'll say again if, if you know for folks um, joining us late in the show on a scale of one to ten i give this book a three thousand six hundred and twenty three <laughs> so it's i really think every catholic should read it 
But why don't we jump into questions about the book? And I want to begin with you use you use the term modernism, and but you're not. I don't read you or hear you as a what a mad trad. Uh, you know, I like uh, Scott Hahn's. You know, uh, he says there's mad trads and rad trads and glad trads or something like that. And he said he's a glad trad. You know, I don't read you as a mad trad. So, but you do use the term modernism, which is thrown around quite a bit. What does that mean? Yeah. So classically, modernism is a uh, early 20th century, late 19th century Catholic um, error, <laughs> and Pius X famously condemned it in um, uh, Pascendi. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, uh, what he did was he described a portrait of, I would say, like an almost like a platonic ideal, the essence of modernism. And then people react nowadays and they say, oh, that never existed. He didn't <laughs> pretend that he was describing one particular person or a, uh, a thing to which everyone wholeheartedly uh, subscribed. Rather, he was he was portraying the essence of the movement, if you will. Or the, the you know the idea, and different people approach it in different ways. That we have now a new modernism is is uh, what I'm uh, claiming. There are some affinities. The old modernism was all about experience, and also it was non-cognitive experience. So it be you know the mind isn't the first thing in in a relationship. The heart without the mind, that's crucial. Because I know everyone loves the heart, and especially with divine intimacy, and that's very important. But um, we're talking about the the heart without the mind um, is the beginning of everything. What does that mean? That means it's all about me, mm-hmm. me, me, me. Because through my mind, I get in touch with you and with someone else. That doesn't mean it needs to be like a calculus book, like abstract and all that. No, it's just through through seeing your gestures through. Um, interacting with you. This involves sensation and the mind. So modernism says, no, 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 no. It begins with the emotions. Mm-hmm. It's all about me. And so then dogma is like, oh, eventually I get my mind involved and I you know, get the dogmas going. <laughs> but they don't really mean much. And they all need to be oriented simply to that starting point, which is me. Yeah. So then you have to keep adapting them as times change. That old formula doesn't work. So the new modernism is similar in a couple of respects. Um, so not in the technical sense, but in a couple of respects. For instance, dogmatic uh, evolutionism. Uh, if I need to change it, I change it. There was a, a cardinal who just said, you know, sodomy is, you know, uh, the church was wrong about sodomy. So now we need to update. That's example of evolutionism. Also, I do think the me, c'est moi. It's all about me. Um, how so? The number of themes in the book basically all gravitate around a denial that our life now is a pilgrimage of preparation to heaven or hell. Now, I'll grant that sometimes that gets me tired and and, and maybe a little bit scared, too, um, and can seem like a drag, like life can seem like a drag. And but we know we're we're not thinking rightly when we do that. Uh, It's a temptation. But. Better is thinking of, you know, wedding day preparation or, you know, the the weeks building up to the wedding day. That's what's going on. Are we ready to receive um, the God as our loving father, as intimate spouse? 
that's what we're getting ready for. So that's why these stakes are so high. I just thought today, a little bit of cold shower, and I'm thinking, oh, man, this is such a pain in the neck. Uh, It wasn't that long, honestly. But and then I thought, well, God, I I guess you're not cheap. You know, why do you why is life so hard? You're not cheap. (laughs) We have to climb a mountain. If I have to climb a 14 K or and that's awesome. God's more awesome. Any rate, I'm sorry, I'm going on and on. But so the new modernism, it kind of makes everything cozy and cushy. And there's no hell, um, but there is a heaven. Uh, it's not a rigorous heaven. It's not It's not exalted. Uh, we'll Every, get everybody gets there, of course. Yeah, and we can enjoy life really a lot. And, the, you know, have your cake now and then eat it then. And I know that we, we sometimes we're too grumpy and we're too sour. And, you know, this life is supposed to be an awakening of beauty for us. But it is also a pilgrimage. So that's what the new modernism says. Nope, you're going to heaven, period. Or um, and so you don't need to become Catholic. You don't need to convert. You don't need to follow Christ. You don't. And and what if, what if uh, what if you're trying to follow Christ, but you seem to not be able to do his commandments? Ah, justifications by faith alone. Easy way out. And I know there's more to say on that. How about. Um, you know, there's all the new sins, contraception, fornication, masturbation, sodomy. So those, you know, a lot of uh, prelates are saying, ah, it's not a sin anymore. So we're going to heaven. It's easy. (laughs) So, so this gets us to the title of the book, because I think it's important to understand what false mercy is versus true mercy, because a lot of people, and I, I mean, we talk to a lot of people, you know, um, I care for a lot of hearts that are breaking because of the condition of their children um, and, you know, the spiritual condition of their children, um, temporal condition, you know, a choice is made. And so a lot of people look and say, well, what do I do? You know, I, I love this child who's chosen this path, right? I, and and we didn't raise him or her this way, but that's where they are. How do we keep the bridge open? How do we, you know, how do we understand what God teaches and his church and follow his path and still help our kids, right? So what is false mercy and what is true mercy? And we help have about to understand the difference. And we have about two minutes and we can catch more at the, after the break if we sure. keep going. False mercy and true mercy. True mercy is based on true love, where I will, I want to be with you and I want your good. It's a kind of a combination. I want to be with you and I want you to be well. And that means you need to relate to others well. And obviously the chief other who is almighty God. So that's what we're hoping for. Not for you to be sitting on the couch and I, I'm affectionate towards you, but you're just you know, playing video games on the couch, not relating, not entering relationship. So true mercy is based on true love, which wills the good of the other and the other to be in relationship. False mercy says it doesn't. False mercy starts with that affection. I want to be with you and I want you to have it well, but I don't want your conversion or I'm not going to press. Uh, I know that there's a lot of different ways we could put it, but I'm not going to get into the fact that you need conversion. Right. And it's because I don't want to judge you. All right. So, but that doesn't do any good for the meth addict, for someone who can't relate, who's just playing video games or addicted to porn. 
Yeah. It and really it I would say it's not a true love. You, That's you right. want I to me, most expression of false mercy comes out of the of, uh, desire to avoid conflict that necessarily uh, comes when we have to face truths that we don't like. And so we we va- we value the we ex- value excessively the relational aspect of uh, how two humans interact, but we are not and we want to preserve that at all costs and we don't want the pain and we don't want to alienate the other person. But what we don't understand is that if the other person doesn't know the one of, you know, in whom all things were created and hold together, that they're going to end up in hell for eternity. And I think fundamentally, if you don't believe in, in a real substantive and present way in the eternal destiny of the soul and the consequences of sin, then know what's going to trump all your conversations is how you feel about one another rather than what's true so after the break we're going to talk a little more about this because i think it's really important we're here with uh, dr christopher malloy false mercy recent heresies discerning the catholic church we'll be right back Hi friends, we want to personally invite you to check out all of our upcoming retreats here at Avila. Head over to spiritualdirection.com forward slash events or click on the events tab on the top of spiritualdirection.com and sign up now for one of our powerful mini retreats, setting the captives free or into the deep or divine intimacy in marriage. Now with both live and online options, our mini retreats can be live streamed right into your living room or parish meeting room. Discover why these events sell out time and time again. That's spiritualdirection.com forward slash events register today there is a growing need for well-formed solid spiritual directors in the church today the avila institute in collaboration with heart of christ spiritual direction program offers a certificate in spiritual direction for those who feel called to accompany others in their journey towards god the program is grounded in ignatian and carmelite spirituality based on a catholic worldview and draws on the wisdom of the saints with an emphasis on biblical principles in the new evangelization this program offers both online and on-site classes Discover more and apply today at avala-institute.org. This is Dan and Stephanie Burke. Welcome back to Divine Intimacy Radio. Today, we are talking to the author, Christopher Malloy, of a, an extraordinary book. Did I say extraordinary? You did. Did you I say been, it was fantastic? You've been kind of gushing. I, been, I just love this book. <laughs> you started gushing before we got into the studio. I know. I was telling Stephanie, gosh, everybody's got to read this. Uh, false mercy, recent heresies, distorting the Catholic Church. So before the break, uh, Christopher, we were just talking about this. I, I think it's. I think the fundamental reason we allow ourselves to get away with defaulting only to the relational is I just don't think we really believe that uh, people go to hell or why they go to hell. Yeah, and I would say also everyone loves hugs. I love it. I love, uh, you know, relatives where we can hug and just chat about, you know, we don't have to be on, you know, eggshells about, say, political differences, how you're coming down on, you know, vaccines. Those are important issues, but we all know we just kind of want to just be with each other. But with regard to God, just being with each other, well, meanwhile, God is like the sun that's ignored. And we're just in our little home chatting with each other, I'm sorry, but my hug won't save you and won't answer the depths of your needs um, unless it is a hug coming from a relationship with God. Mm. So it's almost like that we set our sights too low 
And we we only have that kind of low level, I want to say, you know, animal type affection with a little bit of rationality, but we don't have the, have you wondered about where we're going? Yeah. I, and I can't be your friend. I can't be a real honest, good friend, willing you the good, unless I love God. If I don't, let's just say you're you're struggling between some moral issue and feeling good about yourself. I'm going to say, feel good about yourself. So I'm going to send you off the cliff to hell. That right. great is, you know, so my affection for you is ruining you. That's but, false you know, love. That's not yeah, real love. That's right. And Stephanie, you started out with the great question. So many parents are in that. And God willing, I won't have to deal with that. But, you know, we all have our crosses. I have a friend who left uh, one of these cities on the West Coast that's, you know, going the crazy lifestyle. And um, he literally left because one of his children went that lifestyle and they stood firm. They said, you will not bring your uh, same sex friend home. Um, She will not come here. But we love you. You are welcome anytime in our home. She is not welcome because of the way you relate. And but you have to be modest, et cetera, et cetera. They stood firm. I don't know how many years that that girl is now taking care of a relative and she's on the mend. Mm. Um, now, I'm not saying it maybe it happens as, as, as nicely as that, like before they're 30 or so. But it's fidelity and affection, the combination. We need both. And that that's a burden. Yeah, I think the love, um, Dan likes to say, love builds a, a bridge over which truth can pass. I love that. And so we hold firm to the truth. We live the truth. We don't compromise the truth, but we love sacrificially. You know, we're always keeping that door open so that because we know our prayers are efficacious. We know God is listening to us. And and so we know that eventually the hounds of heaven are going to chase down that loved one, especially if they've been baptized, confirmed, they have the sacraments, so that that's germinating within them, right? The Lord's constantly calling them back. So we may not see it in this lifetime, but we keep praying that that conversion comes because the Lord is faithful and he's going to track down his loved ones. We just hope it happens, you know, before they leave earth. Right. Um, so that's that's difficult part, but I know there are many that languish in that. And I can I just want to say with with without any ambiguity, if if you love someone who's who's in habitual sin, and you and you um, and your goal is to make them comfortable, uh, you will help them to hell, and you're going to be accountable for that. And I would also say you don't really love them. And I just want to say it again. You don't love them. You don't love them with the love of God because the love of God says, I love you. I want you in my life. And I even love you as you are, but I want to help you to be free. But I won't leave you where you are. I won't leave you where you are. I want to help you to be free. And and so authentic mercy, I think, is that a good description uh, Absolutely. of authentic mercy? Yeah. And so, and it's also not lame because you're praying for, and when it's appropriate, sometimes some people are in a situation where you can't, all you can do is live the faith yourself and you can't speak to them. And that, right. That might yeah. be for decades, but right. But they will know. I mean, I have relatives who say, you know what, I, I'm aware. And and like, I'll, I'll say something about, you know, we've got seven kids. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And I love it. And you are so obviously an inspiration for me, but just please don't talk about it. I had one that told me that. So um, fine. I yeah. will, you know, so, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to help you deflect as it were uh, the call of God to, to waken up, you know? So I, I, I want to shift to something that may be a little unusual for our show and our audience, but I think it's important. In this book, you speak about the hermeneutic of continuity, um, which I think is, uh, it sounds uh, super technical and obscure, but it has d profound uh, implications. And a lot of our traditionalist friends, after we, we talked before the show, are, are you know deriding this concept, but I think it's part of the DNA of the church, and it has always been. What is the hermeneutic of continuity, and why does it matter with respect to false mercy? Yeah, so the hermeneutic of continuity means that when the church teaches, she's always building on previous foundations. She's not radically changing uh, what she believes. And there are, there are infallible teachings and there are non-infallible teachings. Infallible teachings are always true, never going to change. Non-infallible teachings, we expect them that they're actually really true. Um, it's not impossible that some of them could be phrased awkwardly or even be an error, okay? But uh, we don't expect them to be like that. That would be very rare. And so we always had this mindset of continuity. Now, that means, for instance, when you're looking at the Second Vatican Council, that you don't look at it as though, yeah, you know, the rebels, um, the rebels were able to change those backward medieval ways of the the older Catholics. I don't believe in the old church. I believe in the new church. There's a lot of people that say that. And even I'm not saying that they're trying to operate out of malice. That's just that's their mentality. Grad school. A lot of my professors said Pius XII said X. We believe Y rupture. So I remember starting to scratch my head after a while and say, saying, well, let me read what Pius XII said. Oh, that looks pretty authoritative. Then I look at what Vatican II said, and I say, now, I don't see a rupture here. Uh, and, and you guys are interpreting it as a rupture. So once they say that, it's like a rubber band. <laughs> once they say rupture, these are the rebels. I'm, I'm calling them rebels. They just slingshot into weirdness. And so that's what's going on now. Sodomy is okay. Catholic Church is just a privileged way. Um, you know, there's just many ways to, to uh, heaven. Uh, this is, sorry, this is not our faith. Uh, so you got those kind of rebels. But then you have almost a, an opposite reaction on the other side. Well, if that's what Vatican II means, I reject it. So yeah. there's a lot of, and I know that's a little bit simplistic. I guarantee the book is not simplistic. But um, but that is a little bit of the ingredient what's going on, as opposed to saying, wait a minute, no. There's, there's like a new way of expressing things here in the council. There's a lot of riches in the faith that are explored in a beautiful way. It, and it's not as clear cut as, say, a Baltimore catechism or something like that. So if you're looking for a nut and a nuts and bolts, you know, maybe pouring over those documents isn't as helpful for you. Maybe just, you know, a John Harden catechism, Baltimore catechism. I love those things. Absolutely love them because boom, 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 just right to the heart. But if you're looking for, like, say, touring the beauty of what is the Catholic Church, well, it's quite mysterious, deep, and thick. 
And, and so there's a lot of beauty there to explore. It's not simple. Um, so Vatican II has a lot going on about it. There are some ambiguous, uh, ambiguous phrases where you could say, huh, why, why did they put it that way? And then a lot of people are interpreting it like this, but that's, that's a totally contradicted to this other thing. Well, it's very helpful in interpreting Vatican II to say, well, here's the tradition. Here's the infallible teachings. We believe them. So Vatican II is obviously not contradicting these. And, yeah. you know, and whatever it means, you know, probably means this, maybe it means that, but it's not going to contradict the foundation. I think fundamentally the hermeneutic continuity isn't a, a method that says what is new now reinterprets what is old. It's the exact opposite is what came before helps us to understand, you know, if anything's ambiguous because of human frailty or even, you know, nefarious intent, we must live and say, this is ambiguous. This is what was before. Therefore it has to be this doesn't justify the ambiguity or even the nefarious intent. It just says, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm going to live according to what the churches are always taught. And, you know, the council said this, and therefore, you know, I believe what the church has always taught. I'm going to keep moving forward. Amen. So, you have a question. You're good. To say. Okay. So I think, you know, I'd strongly recommend folks, if you're struggling with this question and even the council, I think this book uh, not only, of course, beautifully covers a lot of issues that we're facing today, but it also gives what I would call a measured, wise, and historically connected understanding of how to deal with the, the problems that came after the council, which weren't, you know, there's a lot of post hoc ergo proctor hoc, you know, uh, false uh, logic that says, well, because it, the council came before, but listen, the, the council was the, was, was birthed by those who were before, you know, so it, it, it's, you know, all of those cardinals and were, were celebrating the Latin mass you know, before the council. So we have a real issue. We have a real problematic view, I think, in the traditionalist realm of how to understand the council. And I think it, it's a, it's a, it's a distraction away from our mission and how it is that we can help the church um, draw more deeply from the wells of tradition. So we're out of time. I hate that because false mercy, uh, recent heresies distorting the Catholic church by Christopher Malloy is uh, a top 10 book. You've got you've to get it. Um, you've got to tell your friends about it and you got to read it. It will equip you more uh, effectively, in my opinion, than most uh, that comes out of the traditionalist realm to understand and, and, and know how to deal with and help the church heal from the problems that we're facing today. So thank you for the book and thank you for being on the show. You're thank welcome. You. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for the great conversation. Until next time, may the God of peace make you perfect in holiness. May he preserve you whole and entire, spirit, soul, and body, irreproachable at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Learn more about the interior life. Visit spiritualdirection.com. Divine Intimacy Radio is a co-production of EWTN Radio and spiritualdirection.com and heard worldwide on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.